In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity. Amen. Please be seated. I have shared with some of you that I have a nickname. Came from high school and, well, pretty much stuck with me ever since. It's Bruiser. And as much as I would like to say that this nickname was earned as a result from my tenacity on the high school gridiron inflicting bruises, well, let's just say I was captain of the scout team. <laughs> Some of these same friends today now refer to me as the Reverend Bruiser. And for a period of time through, though in college, I did get ordained with a second nickname from a very good friend. Whenever we would go out to eat, attend a football game, or just be out, I always had this uncanny ability to run into someone I knew. Sometimes the encounters would be with classmates. Sometimes it would be running into someone I worked with at Winn-Dixie or just knew from my customer interactions there. More often than not, though, it was running into someone I knew from Selma, as we're everywhere. But as my friend observed my interactions with various people, he said one day, he said, you're like a mayor, doing that proverbial shaking of hands and kissing of babies. And for quite a while, the mayor was how this friend addressed me. But I like people. I like hearing their stories. The label of mayor was really about naming that desire for relationship. This past week, as I watched the various services related to the funeral for Queen Elizabeth, many of the commentators reflected on her life, that it was a life dedicated to genuine service of her people. One particular story, though, caught my attention. It, it focused on how she showed a real interest in those she served. An early Monday morning, as like many of you are watching the procession of the Queen's casket, one of these commentators talked about Queen Elizabeth's uncanny ability to remember people. And she could meet someone one time and remember them years later. Often recall to them where and under what circumstances they met and Oftentimes, she remembered what they talked about. The ability to do this almost seemed like a superpower to me. It was this ability to take a genuine interest in people that can help us to form long-lasting relationships. In our gospel reading this morning, we hear Jesus tell a parable. A parable about a rich man and a poor man that laid at his gate. And we are given some basic descriptions. The rich man wears purple and fine linen and dines sumptuously every day. The poor man, who is named Lazarus, but is not Jesus' friend and brother of Mary and Martha. But Lazarus was covered in sores and only wanted what fell from the rich man's table. Both these men die, and while the poor man is swept away by angels to be with Abraham, the rich man is buried and relegated to be tormented in Hades. 
The rich man begs to Abraham for relief, for him to send Lazarus to give him that relief, to which Abraham responds, a great chasm has been fixed. So what chasm? What divide has been fixed? What is it that Jesus wants us to learn in this story? First, it sounds like the leveling of socioeconomic divides. It certainly resonates with us as we reflect on the Magnificat, also found in Luke, also called Mary's glad song, to which Mary proclaims, He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. Maybe it's not so much a leveling or evening up of the scoreboard, but about restoration of relationship. The story is a parable, though, rather than an event. It is a parable in which Jesus rather uncharacteristically decides to give the poor afflicted character in the story the name of Lazarus, contrasted with the rich man. And in naming Lazarus, maybe Jesus reveals for us the love he has for the person the rich man deems insignificant. Jesus models for us the dignity that we should hold for all others whom we encounter. Naming Lazarus too, I think Jesus may be modeling the reverence we should hold for the poor. For in calling out the poor man's name, Jesus is showing him dignity. The rich man's failure to acknowledge the presence of Lazarus in life and in death reveals for us the often dehumanization that society can sometimes reveal in its dealings with those of lesser means. What does it take to get us to see those who are so often left behind? Even in death, the rich man asked Abraham to send Lazarus rather than addressing and asking Lazarus himself to warn his brothers. The rich man seems to show concern for his brothers in his exchange with Abraham, but he never quite sees the poor man, the man who laid at his gate. At first reading, one might want to make this story about what is required of us to get to heaven. This is a story about the afterlife and the need to seek or make intercessory prayer on ours or our loved ones' behalves. But what if it, that is not what it is about? What if Abraham is inviting the rich man into transformation? What if Jesus' message is the same one that Moses and the prophets have always preached? What if it is the message about loving God and loving our neighbor? As Episcopalians, we promise in our baptismal covenant to seek and serve Christ and all others, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus tells us over and over who our neighbors are through stories and in parables like the Good Samaritan, and that they, our neighbor, are embodied in those who 
love and serve others just as Jesus calls us to do. And that our neighbor is not only family and friends, but those whom we don't know or don't see. In a speech on the day of her coronation in 1953, Queen Elizabeth said, The ceremonies you have seen today are ancient. Some of their origins are veiled in the mist of the past. But their spirit and their meaning shine through the ages, never perhaps more brightly than now. I have in sincerity pledged myself to your service as so many of you are pledged to mine. Throughout all my life and with all my heart I shall strive to be worthy of your trust. This was a statement to the whole of people, to the whole of the people of the commonwealth, not just a certain group of people. God sees, God invites, and God includes everyone. And the queen in this statement is reflecting that same sense of inclusion, inviting this same sense of relationship. There are a lot of wonderful ways in which we as a community serve others here at Ascension, in which we seek to help those of lesser means. How do we go even deeper? How do we invite those who we serve into new and deeper relationships? When we are out and about, do we recognize our neighbors in those places we do not expect to find them? And when we do see them, do we channel our inner mayor? Do we do our best to make them feel loved and worthy? as the beloved children of God that they truly are. It's going to be hard sometimes. It's difficult to get ourselves out of our own ways sometimes. But to do this, to see the joy that it brings in those whom we lift up, makes this act of love so rewarding. This is the act of building Christian community that we as Christians, are called to engage. Let us seek to find ways to repair that chasm that so often sets us apart from one another by finding ways to go deeper into relationships with our neighbors. Amen.